Um, so our next presentation is um, from our final Medicine Unboxed student presentation from John Webster, who's a fifth-year medical student at Newcastle, who's also just completed an intercalated Master's of Research in Creative Practice at the Glasgow School of Art. John Webster. Hi, so my name's John, and I'm a final-year medical student at Newcastle at the moment. And I'm today going to present an object that I made at the end of last academic year, a Wunderkammer. Now, the Wunderkammer, or Cabinet of Curiosities, originated in Renaissance Europe as an educational or entertainment tool, out of which the modern concept of the museum grew. And usually they were collections of unusual, valuable, or rare objects designed to inspire wonder or stimulate creative thought. They were usually put together by a single person, normally at that time a man, and formed around a deeply held belief that all things were linked through either visible or invisible similarities. The early Wunderkammer that generated particular interest were the ones that blurred the lines or went against the agreed typology of the time. So in the spirit of the original Wunderkammer, I'm going to present to you some objects from this one that I made that are about my experiences, knowledge, and beliefs that I've acquired over the last five years of education. And therefore, much like the original Wunderkammer, it's full of the same biases and prejudices and subjectivity that I have. But for me, the whole piece is supposed to be about those visible and invisible links, particularly being science and art, having been through both of those types of education. So a bit about me. I first wanted to go to med school at about 16, just basically to try and help people, although apparently you're not allowed to say that at your interview. You don't really have a very good understanding of anything at that age, just through the hormonal haze. But basically, through com conversations with doctors, a bit of work experience, and some kind of voluntary work, I just got this immediate, palpable sense of medicine's power for good. As you walk through a hospital, you see the most remarkable things. Interventional radiologists inserting tubes through patients' femoral arteries to unblock the, to reopen a blood supply to the cardiac muscle as the patient watches on a screen. Anesthetists puppeteering people's entire physiologies using vials of liquids and machines as their bowel cancer is removed, for example. Or ophthalmologists revolutionizing someone's vision in less than 10 minutes using a cataract operation. And the remarkable thing about all this is it was essentially brought about by one methodology, the scientific method, which has also essentially doubled life expectancy from about 40 to about 80 in about 200 years. However, whilst at med school, I began to have doubts about the limits of this methodology, and in particular, what it couldn't do. So one form of this methodology is the randomized control trial, or the RCT, which is seen as the pinnacle of knowledge or truth in evidence-based medicine. And this relies on three principles at its core. The uniformity of the population studied, the repeatability of the experiment, and the reproducibility of those results. Now, the RCT has proved by its achievements it's a fantastic way to I don't know, for example, measure the efficacy of one blood sinner compared to another. However, for me, this can't be the only set of tools we use if our aim is to alleviate suffering. I felt that to reduce the human experience to just a collection of physiological processes was just grossly inadequate for this task. We can only doctor satisfactorily in this way. To doctor well, we need to account for the nature of being human. Anxiety, dependence, passion, grief. Suffering does not simply emerge from the physical body. In order to doctor well, doctors need to be able to allow their patients to explore themselves, the science, and their values in order to guide people 
towards truly informed decisions about their care and its impact, rather than dictate to them a conception of the good as derived from the medical scientific model. The RCT tells us what to do, our humanity tells us how to do it. In other words, I felt a gap between the concept of the body we were taught about in medical school and actual embodied human experience. So with these doubts in my mind about the set of tools we use to try and alleviate human suffering, I decided to go to art school. The arts put their focus in subjectivity, exploration, emotion, and the individual. They provide us a framework to view the world in. They give us time and space to wander. They value meaning alongside truth, and as such, work on levels that the medical model undervalues or isn't set up to interpret. Through narratives, they led us inside moments we could never access, to thoughts we could never have, feelings we could never imagine. At art school, I had time to explore ideas about, I don't know, um, the links between microtonal n notes in, in dance music and the Arabic language, or the semiotics of fabric, for example. I had the time and space to be wrong, horribly wrong. I, had, I, had, I could learn from bitter, bitter experience of what you're trying to say and what comes across can often be very, very different. I had time to begin to understand the complexities that lie beyond our conceptualizations of things, the ability to try and problematize things, the time to learn, and to, the time to think and not simply to learn, and the time to explore the self and myself. Doctors, I think, work so often as individual ethical actors at the most extreme situations of human existence. And to do this, we have to have an idea of who we are and what that means. So as I was being to transition back from arts education into medical scientific education, I made this object, the Wunderkammer, the Cabinet of Curiosities, to try and play with the different ideas, um, to try and play with my personal experiences of the two different schools of education and the similarities and differences between them. So the objects have been out in the corridor this morning, they're on top of the piano, so you might have seen them. But I'll just run you through them and the kind of thinking behind them. So we have the phrenology bus, which most of you might be aware of it and kind of the history of it. So the phrenology bus relied on the idea that different parts of the brain do different things. And in the same way that a glove fits a hand, the skull fits the brain. Now that's kind of right. We think now that different parts of the brain do do different things. However, the rest of it is total rubbish. And the issue with this is the, the phrenology bus used the veil of science to push a kind of racist, sexist agenda underneath this kind of frontier of objective scientific truths. And I think it's important to understand that there is subjectivity in science, and that's okay, but we need to own up to it and where that comes from and what that means. The next are these cigarette packets that I made. Everyone in the country knows that smoking is bad for you, but people still smoke. And I think people don't act only in accordance with their physical body. If they did, then no one would smoke. So I made these cigarette warnings with other reasons, non-corporeal reasons, to stop smoking. So 200,000 hectares of land were cleared for tobacco farming last year. Or in 2011, tobacco companies used 1.3 million child laborers in their tobacco farms. These are reasons to stop smoking that aren't to do with your physical body. So this is an Ishihara colorblindness plate that I adapted with an image from the Welcome Library of the inventor Shinobu Ishihara. For me, this is supposed to talk about how behind every scientific innovation is a human being, and with that human being comes everything that comes with human being. Subjectivity, anxiety, fear, personal drive, grief. 
And these innovations that we drive and push, that we think are totally objective, have all this subjectivity behind them. The next one's about love, might be a bit trite. I think one, thing, one type of wonder we haven't really talked about at this conference is the wonder of love and the wonder of being in love. And this piece has a picture of a brain from the Welcome Library and a picture of a heart from the Welcome Library, and two QR codes. The QR code on the, on the head links to this study by Samir Zeki at University College London, who does neuroaesthetics, and he's looking at fMRI data about romantic love. So he can tell you, very interestingly, which part of the brain lights up when you think of someone you're romantically in love with, or when you think of your mum, who you love. However, for me, if we're trying to understand love, although that's interesting and valid to look at which part of the brain lights up, with a concept like love, we can't even get close to understanding what that is or what that means with just scientific data. And finally, there's a poem by W.H. Auden which talks about what we do and why we do it. Healing, Papa would tell me, is a science. It's not a science, but an intuitive art of wooing nature. I think as doctors, we sometimes spend a lot of time treating people, treating people's bodies, whereas our aim should really be to try and heal people. Thank you.